Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Vanguard. There is nothing that gives me more hope than an empty tomb. Amen? Amen. He is risen. We've lived through two years of global death. We've seen our loved ones, we've lost loved ones, we've lost friends, we've lost neighbors. We've seen the sorrow and the plight of our earth. And Jesus Christ understands, like no one else, the power of death. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device. I want to welcome our 27 families that are watching on our Facebook platform. I want to welcome you, YouTube family, and our Vimeo family, our church app family, all the people that are watching online today. If I've got family out there, hi. Uh, Yes, still kicking, still serving the Lord. And as long as God gives me breath, this is why I exist. There's no other reason you can spell my purpose in life with five letters, J-E-S-U-S. That's it. I can spell. Did you know that? Even though I'm from Kentucky, I can actually spell. I want to give a shout out this morning to some of my favorite people. You guys have got to stand. Would you welcome the Goad family here on the second row? They served our church for 20. Come on, Ellen. You got to stand. You're my sister. You're not my sister, Lucas, and my brother-in-law, Steve. I've known Steve since I was 12 years old. I love you guys. Thank you for your legacy. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the investment you made in us. Would you give them one more hand? I want to invite you to share the service today. I would encourage you to share it on your platform. It's an opportunity to be a virtual evangelist. You say, it ain't going to make any difference. Leave that up to Jesus. How do we live like Jesus? Well, if we're going to live like Jesus, we've got to learn to live like Jesus died. See, because how you die will largely be reflected in how you live. Don't worry about dying. Worry about living. Not that you're supposed to worry about anything. But I want to challenge you, live, live, live your life. Give all that is within you. There's so many people that die before they die. They quit living before they're dead. Don't you be one of them. Don't you be one of them. Jesus Christ died so you could live every second of your life to the fullest. And just because you're older, that doesn't mean your best days are behind you. If you you don't know Jesus, Jesus always wants you to know your past is your past. You're going to spend most of your life, by the way, in your future. So you better get ready for it. You better get ready for it. How? Do we live like Jesus died? Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. Now, as they went out, 
they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. And they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, I've been there. They offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And then they sat down and they kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the, the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by, they derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. If you are Jesus, who you really say you are, then prove it to us. Prove to us that we're wrong about you. And those wagging their heads tried to accuse him of not being who he is. Look at verse 41. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders, they mocked him, all the religious. And here's what they said. He saved others. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him, they also reviled Jesus in the same way. Have you ever had a bad headache? You go, yeah, I can tell you their name. No, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Have you ever had a migraine and you've still had to go to work? It's a wonderful feeling, isn't it, Steve? And can you imagine that while you're trying to do what you're supposed to do with your life, with this massive migraine, all this pain, all this debilitation in your life, everybody that you come in contact with you says this to you. You don't have what it takes. You aren't who you say you are. Prove it to us. You live in a world where a world, when it hears about your faiths, scorns and laughs and mocks. And maybe you find yourself scorning, laughing, and mocking at your own faith sometimes. I want to challenge you today. You have to decide what you're going to do with your life. Jesus decided. How can you and I live like Jesus died? Number one, live to obey God rather than to prove people wrong. Live to obey God rather than to prove people wrong. Who is it in your life? Whose voice is in your head that torments you because they say things to you that debilitate your ability to live for God, to obey God? Matter of fact, they make fun of your desire to live for God. They think you're silly. They think you're an idiot. Listen, I can't think of a better person to be an idiot for than Jesus. I want to be an idiot for Jesus. I want to be a fool for Jesus. I want people to look at my life and I want them to say, that guy is crazy. He's absolutely crazy for Jesus. And, and even though I don't measure up and even though I'm not perfect and even though I make many, many sinful mistakes, 
My God is faithful. And he says to me, I want you to rise up and obey me. I want you to live for me. I don't want you to live to prove other people wrong. How about you? How about you? See, if you live to prove people wrong, do you know who becomes your God? The people you live to prove wrong. Don't live to prove anybody wrong. Just live like Jesus died. Let people say what they want. Let people believe what they want. Let people accuse. Let people conclude. Let people do those things. You say to Jesus, would you help me to learn how in these relationships to live like you did, to seek to obey Christ? Now, if you and I do this, will everything be peachy? If I say to God, I'm going to let go of proving people wrong in my life like Jesus did, I'm just going to live and obey God. Will everything be peachy? I got news for you. If you choose to obey God, it may very well lead you to the darkest hours of your life. You say, how come? Because look at Jesus' story. Because if we want Jesus' story to be our story, we will have to relate to this. Look at verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, and when was that? The day started at 6 a.m., so the sixth hour was noon. There was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, 3 p.m. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. And here's what he said. In Aramaic, he said these words, Eli, Eli, lama sabathani. That is, my God, my God, Why? Have you forsaken me? Why? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. One of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. They misunderstood what Jesus was saying. Maybe you misunderstand Jesus in your life. I want you to understand Jesus died so you could live. Everything about his life was so that he could die for you so that he could rise from the dead. You ready? So you could live forever. Jesus promises you that if you will give your life to him, he will make sure that you live forever in heaven. Sounds like a pretty good deal. How do we live like Jesus died? Number two, live your life purpose, knowing you'll be misunderstood. Live your life purpose, knowing that you'll be misunderstood. You cannot go through this life. You say, how come? Jesus couldn't. You go, well, I'm going to try to be better. Okay, see if you can be better than Jesus. Because Jesus was perfect and still was misunderstood. See, we live in a broken, fragmented, sorrowful, suffering, full of shame world. And people will misunderstand you. And granted, sometimes we'll be wrong because we're not Jesus. But even if you could be better, people are still going to misunderstand you. And you have to come to terms with that. You will be misunderstood. 
like Jesus. Why do you think people misunderstood Jesus? It wasn't because he wasn't perfect, because he was. The reason why people misunderstood Jesus, you ready? They didn't trust him. It's the same reason why people will misunderstand you. They don't trust you. They don't trust you. See, people did not trust Jesus. Somebody answer that. It might be Jesus calling. Live your purpose. Even if those you serve through your purpose misunderstand you. And it'll happen. It'll happen. I love what one person said. You know, a lot of people quit going to church because they get hurt. But no one in the church has been hurt by the church more than Jesus. You go, really? Well, I don't know. Has the church crucified you? Have the religious crucified you? You go, well, it feels like it's not. Okay. You can't make people trust you. See, Jesus loves us enough that he lets us choose who we'll trust. That's what love is. Love gives people a choice. And God says to us, I give you a choice to trust my son, Jesus. I invite you to look at his life. I invite you to look at his death. I invite you to look at his resurrection. I invite you to see his life. Look at verse 50. Now Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs also were opened. Get ready, this is some crazy stuff right here. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, coming out of the tombs after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's stop there just a second. The doorbell rings. You go and open it and come back. Who's at the door? It's Moses. It's Elijah. It's Ruth. It's Naomi. It's, jo it's Boaz. It's David. What? 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 This is crazy stuff. This is crazy stuff. You go, I don't believe that. That's okay. You don't have to. It's a choice. I do believe it. I believe every word of the Bible. I believe everything the Bible says about Jesus, about God, and about this earth. Jesus has my trust. You go, don't you think you're a little crazy? Yes. But I got news for you. So are you. The question is not, are you crazy? It's who you're going to be crazy for. We're all crazy. We're all crazy. You go, I'm not. Just talk to the person sitting next to you. They know you. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe. Of course they were. Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there. I love this. Looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene. She was a former prostitute, by the way. 
and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. And when it was evening, verse 57, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus, and then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen shroud, laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. Let me tell you something. I went back and looked at some of my videos from going to the Holy Land. And you actually have the ability. Sepulchers are kind of strange things there. Uh, they're honed out, hewned out in the side of a cave. But then you can also go under them. And you can actually go under the Holy Sepulcher where Jesus was buried. Pretty amazing experience. It's a sacred experience. The next day, verse 30, uh, 62, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, and here's what they said Sir, we remember how this, apost this imposter said while he was still alive, After three days, I'm going to rise. Therefore, I want you to order the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Lest disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has arisen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, you have a, a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Look at Matthew 28, 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Sunday. That's why we celebrate on Sunday. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And the angel said to the women, do not be. Somebody say it. You want to know why God always says that to us? Because we're always afraid. When we're going through hard times, we're afraid. When we see and experience him, we're afraid. But I want to tell you something. Contrary to what some people want to teach, Jesus was never afraid. I would much rather have a God who can win my battle than relate to me in my battle. Amen? Amen. Jesus was never fearful. He never had a fearful moment in his entire life. You say, how come? Because the Bible says that perfect love cast out all fear and Jesus was perfectly loved by the Father and he could receive it. See, fear is a result of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, God said to them, where are you? And they said, we hid ourselves because we were afraid. See, fear is the result of being a sinful person. If you wonder if you're sinful, just answer one question today. Do you have fear? Yes, you are a sinful person. Jesus never had any. 
Jesus never had a moment, a second, an ounce, a breath, or a heartbeat of fear. He knew perfectly who the Father had asked him to be and do, and he understood it. I'm going to show you this. He understood his whole story before it was. The Bible says that before one day is, God knows them all to be. Bless you. Look at verse 5. Don't be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus, who was what? Somebody say it. Crucified. Crucified. But guess what? Guess what? I'm from Kentucky. He ain't here. He ain't here. He ain't here. For he has, somebody say it, risen. He is risen indeed. As he what? As he said he would. As he said he would. Jesus was not shocked at his resurrection. He didn't wake up from the dead going, oh, I made it out. Can you believe? Oh, whoa, that's quite, a, that's quite a hole in my hand. He never had that moment. God is not shocked. Jesus is not shocked because he is God in the flesh. Come see the place where he lay and go. And quickly, quickly tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you'll see him. See, I've told you. Principle number three. How do we live like Jesus died? Live your life purposefully knowing death's not the end. You're going to live forever somewhere. It's your choice. You say, I don't want to choose you. That's fine. You don't have to. You don't have to. This morning early, I was praying for a pastor in Iran who has been in and out of prison now for nine years. The extreme Islamic nation knocked on his door. He opened the door. They tasered his son. And they beat him almost to death in front of his family, and they took him and put him in the worst kind of prison in Iran, and he's gone in and out and in and out and in and out of prison. And they keep telling him, we'll let you out if you shut up. No, he ain't shutting up. He ain't shutting up. He ain't shutting up. Do you have problems because you live for Jesus, or do you have problems because you're a human being? There's two different kinds of problems in this world. Everybody has problems, but do you have problems because you've chosen you will not be shut up? You will not be shut down. You will not back down. You will not give up. You will not give in. You will not give out. You will show up and God will show out. That's your choice. That's your choice. That's your choice. Listen, I'm almost 51. I don't know how many more years I've got, but how many I've got, God, they're yours. They're all yours. Every one of them. You say, to be a pastor? No, whatever he wants. Being a pastor is not all of who God has made me to be. God wants every heartbeat, heartbeat every breath, every moment. So how do we live purposely knowing death's not the end? You have to live fearless. 
See, a fearless man does not fear death. A fearless person does not fear death. And see, the problem is we've spent the last two years trying not to die, and many of us have stopped living. Amen? Amen. It's time to get to living again. My step-grandma, Ellen and I, we have a step-grandma. She just went through brain surgery. But she has a mom that's 98 years old. She broke her hip, got double pneumonia and COVID, and she recovered from all of it. I've watched grown men my age die from COVID. You're not leaving here till the Lord's ready for you to go. You say, explain it all to me. I can't. I have to trust just like you do. You go, do you have any questions? More every day. More every day. More every day. I don't stand up here because I have all the answers. I don't stand up here because my life is perfect. I don't stand up here because I don't have any tension, sorrow, or suffering in my life. I was crying out to God this morning at four o'clock about the pain of my life. My life. The pain of my relationships. God listens. God cares. He is with us in our sorrows. Amen? Look at verse eight. I love this. The women ran how to the tomb? Quickly. Yes. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. They rushed to find the disciples to give them the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they ran to him, held his feet, worshiped him. Now I want you to see that. I want you to see that's a theme, worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. They'll see me there. And as the women were on their way into the city, some of the men who had been guarding the tomb went into the leading priests and told them what had happened. In the meeting of all the religious leaders, oh my goodness, the really important people, they decided to bribe the soldiers. And they told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while they were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you. Everything will be all right. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread wildly, widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Listen, when religious people bribe people to smother the truth, that's where we've messed up. Look at verse 16. And the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, what'd they do? Oh, they worshiped him. Jesus is worthy of our worship, by the way. Nothing else is. Nothing else is. Your favorite sports team is not. But some of them, like us, still doubted. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given complete authority in all of heaven and on earth, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, always. You mean in cancer? Yeah. 
You mean in divorce? Yeah. You mean in the death of a loved one? Yeah. Yeah. You fill in the blank. He's with you always. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to abandon you. Even to the end of the age. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? When you get to death, guess what? Jesus is going to be right there. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one that was and is and is to come. Amen? amen. Come on, amen. amen. You're worried. You're worried. You're worried. And he says, don't be. I'm going to be there when you get there. Just as I've been with you through all of your life, through all of your trials. You go, yeah, but I didn't acknowledge it. It doesn't matter. That's how much Jesus loves you. He's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. You go, yeah, but it feels like it. And Jesus understands because he said, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? See, the fallenness of this world makes us feel alone, alone. And Jesus says, and he says it to you today, I'm with you to the end. I'm with you to the end when nobody else will be there for you. When nobody else can be there for you, I'm with you to the end. Don't worry about death. I'll be there to get you, to catch you when it's over. Live like I died and don't worry about dying. Just live, just live, just live. Amen? Amen. Amen. Principle number four. You can give God a hand. Yes, yes, the Lord has done great things in our lives and we forget it. Live to love others into real relationship with Jesus. That's why we exist. That's why we exist. That's why we exist. I felt like the Lord, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to invite someone this Easter to Vanguard who is a total stranger to you. Okay. And so I'm looking, it's like, okay, Lord, how will I know? He said, you'll know. Just keep an invite with you, you'll know. So on Wednesday, when I was having lunch with another pastor here in our city, I felt like the Lord said, she's the one, waitress. And I said to her, hey, can I ask you a question? I realize you don't know me and sorry if it's odd, but do you go to church? No, no, I never have. Um, do you mind if I invite you to church? No, and she smiled. And I said, do you mind if I ask you your name? She says, Mercedes. Not Porsche, not BMW, not Tesla. Mercedes, all right? 
I don't know if she'll come. She might be in the room right now. I have no idea. But I just want you to know something, Mercedes, wherever you are, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And I hope and pray that you know that all the days of your life because there's nothing that matters more. There's nothing that matters more. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You go, I don't want to today. That's fine. You don't have to. That's the beauty of this. But just hang with me because some people do. There's a little prayer in the program that I want us to pray today. I realize many of us have already prayed this prayer, but would you make it a little easier on other people in the room who never have? And would we all pray it together? And so I invite you to follow along in your program or your, the internet device that has this prayer. I'll say it, and I just want to invite you to repeat it after me. I realize... I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus freely gave his life to rescue me from my sin. Through his resurrection, I can have eternal life. I give my life to Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.